Welcome back to Black Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back. Well, treading backward into the past per special request from Damon, who wrote in with some lovely praise and a request. When are you going to finish up Mindhunter Season 2? I recall at some point I said that I was going to watch the rest of this season and then do a season review because I think at the time I was watching Good Place and a whole array of other types of shows and my schedule was getting overcrowded. So I thought I would just binge the rest of this, but I have found binging is not compatible with me, not even a little bit. My attention span won't allow it. So never happened, got to the back burner of my mind, but his suggestion was pretty serendipitous. As while I have been enjoying my roster, there hasn't been... You know, not too much on my plate that's meaty. We got the fall of the House of Usher, which I love. But that's a pork chop. The rest, you know, (laughs) Archer, Bleach, Upload. Those are my brain turns off. Mine consumes phases of TV watching. So, yeah, I'll put put a little mashed potatoes next to my pork chop. And go ahead and explore the rest of what was an amazing series or has been an amazing series up until this point. I do know I watched this episode because everything was very familiar and I was able to jump very quickly back into it. I was surprised that there wasn't too much of a need to recall Once I was back in, I was in. Episode 4, story by Joshua Donan and Courtney Miles, teleplayed by Jason Johnson, Colin J. Loro, and Joshua Donan. So a lot of people in the teleplay. Directed by Andrew Dominic. I like this episode a lot. 9.7 out of 10. Before we jump into the recap, we ever listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found. Go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, and subscribe. And if you want to send feedback, blackoutcouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment below. And who knows, maybe I'll pick up some other (laughs) show that I've discarded in the past and try to at least leave my portfolio finished on some of these seasons that I may have abandoned unless I've thoroughly abandoned like no this show is shit and I will not in Sandtown Sandtown Maryland a man accosts a young black boy just out walking to the store Overcoming his caution by calling out his fear, offering $2 for a job. After the kid initially declines the ride to the store, unfortunately, the kid is 
kind of uh what's the word for it manipulated but by testing his manhood saying oh you scared you don't want to get in because you scared i ain't scared and of course that is uh the perfect heart so he ends up getting into the vehicle Fortunately, this is all a part of a theory Holiness preparing for his profile of the Atlanta killer having easily, uh, his ruse having easily picked up for boys. Them kids wasn't playing about them $2. Give me your fucking money! Despite Holden giving over the money, saying just take them from, for ice cream, explaining to them the stranger danger theory, I feel as if this might be more detrimental because now they're going to coincide the next time with that time in which, oh yeah, I got picked up in $2 in ice cream. <laughs> Just feels a little bit of a slippery rope. Greg tries this exact same con on a group of kids who assume that he's lost or a cop. Pull your dick out if you ain't a cop. Because if you white, you in this neighborhood, you definitely are a cop. His whiteness also alerts the neighbors who already send the hootie who. First and foremost, people are nosy anyway, especially if you ain't from around here. Secondly, the approach is different. Singling out one child versus approaching a group of children that have each other to kind of check the other in the decisions that they're making. And even if one steps away, you leave evidence because you've got witnesses. But this this confirms exactly what what Holden is thinking is the racial identity of the perpetrator. After reviewing evidence back in where are they at? Seattle? Washington? Quantico? I am really bad at geography. I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> My daughter just told me Washington State is different than Washington, D.C., and I was just mind blown. You're so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. Y'all bitches has been that freaking judge me. After reviewing evidence, Bill contacts the Fairfield Police Department to speak with McGraw, but is told he is no longer with us. And no, that doesn't mean... He no longer works here. He was found dead in front of the TV. I don't know if he killed himself or not. And they didn't make that indication. Not that they would, because we know suicide is a sign of weakness and we can never, ever, ever feel weak. Detective Needham has inherited his case file and he asked if Ada Jeffries was ever closed. Nope. Just as he is walking out, Wendy calls Bill over. 
I love that he was visibly annoyed that Holden has convened a team meeting noticeably without him to discuss his initial profile on the missing 11 children, which is not only within their legal peer view. He just decided to, to go off on this crusade once again on his own. Just as he's beginning to explain to him why this is a problem, Ted comes in to cheer on Holden's reckless ambition by agreeing that justice won't touch it, but wanting him to lay out his profile so that he can listen because national attention is good for business. However, Holden is going on instinct and common sense based on a more detailed analysis, allowing his gut to guide his judgment, which in the past has, has shown to work. And there's not to say that your instinct can't be a part of uh, what, what gives you a certain edge. But there is a reason why people just don't do things on based on their gut. I think even Olivia Pope came to that natural conclusion that maybe I shouldn't just base everything (laughs) on this feeling in my stomach because my emotions may not be trusted based on other factors going on. And one of those is Holden's clear narcissism, right? He's being listened to. The big boss wants to hear his ideas after being ignored and sidelined for so long, particularly under previous management. He's no longer there. Clearly, I'm the poster boy of what comes next, right? So I should take the reins, but he's still rather untested still developing these theories and these hypotheses and he wants to race to the finish line because doing all the running to get there is the boring part and that is where i think is his blind spot also he has a literal blind spot when it comes to (laughs) Um, something that many cops do and there's a word for it and it's been bothering me all day because I haven't found the word and it's not railroading but it's close to it Wendy supports his hypothesis but she also feels as if you're coming at me with what a high schooler could You tested one theory over a day. You didn't test it in different neighborhoods. You didn't test it against different demographics. Like what if a Hispanic person showed up? What if someone that didn't quite look like Greg show up? You know, you you have to continue your hypothesis and build it. And then you come with here is what the profile is as uh bill said like i wouldn't even be audacious enough to think i had a profile this early (laughs) in this stage 
Wendy goes out with the bartender Kay, completely overdressed, and while I support her choice to be somewhat grossed out by bowling shoes, nothing is worse than your feet on that filthy-ass floor, ma'am. They're called socks. Use them. But she clearly didn't know where they were going. I don't want to hear that mess. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> You just can't be grossed out by one and then do something equally grossed out and not think I'm going to call you out for it. Kay is honest, not concerned with her job defining her life. Her customers accept her for who she is. And she puts her own happiness in front of societal expectations and likes Wendy a lot. And Wendy likes that about her, that she's not hiding who she is. Back in the office, Wendy wants to do an assessment and talk to uh, Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., the murderer of one Dean Corral, because she wants to understand the relationship between partner killers, how one is usually dominant. Dean Corral was also known as the Candyman, and no, he was not luring men into their deaths with tootsie rolls holding because clearly candy is a euphemism for drugs elmer wayne henley jr killed him he also had another acolyte named david brooks while previously elmer admitted to murder as well he now only confesses to watching which bill feels makes him equally complicit and of course, while we are discussing building profiles for for serial killers, keep in mind in this moment, it's in this very same scene, it's brought up how far behind the mental health field actually was. Because <laughs> they have considered, I've just, I was recently told it's called sapphism now like i'm behind on all of this shit but any same-sex attraction is considered what would what did they say um i had it in my notes at least i thought i did but yeah it, it was ridiculous of a statement and the bill's like well that sounds better <laughs> i'm like no, it doesn't. <laughs> but I guess if you're looking for something a little less, sure. So that indicates that they, they don't understand Stockholm Syndrome or that a child at 14 maybe isn't mentally, uh, actually we know isn't mentally capable of making certain decisions. They don't have the best decision-making capabilities. This is someone who was also a victim themselves. Uh, and that David, while being legally a, an adult at the time, could certainly be held more accountable for his actions. 
I think Hanley's age should be taken into account, not excuse his behavior, but certainly shape how this actually comes about. And that's what she wants to know. What did each person get out of this type of relationship? Henley selected the victims from his high school, and it sounds disgustingly like the same method one uh, totally not murdered at all. (laughs) Pedophile. Used including the exact same amount of money to get the girls into their home and then offered them bonuses for procuring other girls. It's a despicable act of emotional manipulation because you're already as a teen child caught up in the deep shame. Like if you look at a lot of those documentaries, some of the girls didn't know exactly what they were getting themselves into and things start happening you allow them to happen and then you blame yourself and then you feel guilty and then you feel rage and then maybe yeah i'll bring someone else to be just as victimized as i was because at least i'm not alone at least i've gotten some power back from that moment it's a cycle all at the fault of the person that is enacting it and there should be more leniency and understanding of how yes 14 feels 14 at all ages and not when they're you know skinny little white girls that's just how it is in america but that yeah they're not they're not um they're not the predators in the situation definitely Greg poses the possibility of homosexual jealousy, but from what I read about this case in particular, which feels different than what the show is doing, and I encourage, even though Netflix does really great drama, and this is based on, always do your research that's based on nonfiction shit, because nine times out of ten, the the TV show is doing things that make sense for the overall story and doesn't stay 100% accurate to the details. So from what I recall, the girl in this situation was a friend of his, was a really close friend of his, like he used to babysit her kids or something to that effect. And he wanted her boyfriend, but she came along And he said at the time that when I grabbed the gun, I could have easily have killed her as I could the predator because that's how much he was devoid from his own actions in that moment of, I'm not sure, like you're trying to put a moral, was I doing the right thing when I killed him? I honestly can't answer that question. I don't know if I was consciously making those decisions, which plays into the conversation they have later, which was the best part of the episode. Winnie wants to understand, has already pointed out, what was the motivation for each person. Dependency can render a person inhumane, particularly a drug dependency. You see people breaking into their mama's houses or strangling her out in her sleep for $50. That's that drug. It's not because they wanted to be a murderer. Sexual orientation disturbance. I knew I had it in my notes because I was so 
appalled. <laughs> Gunner needs to see all of them, but not you, Greg. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. They're updated that there's a ransom demand. And the kidnapper has crossed state lines. It fits the profile or of the victims anyway. He's trying to build a profile for. So this is their way into solving the bigger picture. As far as Ted is concerned, Holden wanted to be there. But he tells Bill to make sure that both men stick to their strengths. With Wendy fully aware afterwards that they have been sent off on a big assignment that could possibly tie them to Atlanta for months. And she's told that she can keep tabs for the scientific integrity. <clears throat> Bullshit. It's a boys club and she's clearly being sidelined from it and she's fully aware of it. I mean, both men had to turn around and look at Wendy as if to say, did you not have something for her too? <laughs> That's embarrassing as fuck. Like, oh, I guess I, I have no purpose here. Even though she's truly asking and inspiring them to to continue to grow and not just focus on the popularity or the political rightness of getting into a case or not. Holden is already doing what, as I stated earlier, some cops do when they just focus on one scenario and everything else is a confirmation bias. To that disregarding any evidence that can present a hole in that theory. The, the one thing that stood out to me was the two girls. Now you have a kidnapping. And clearly they said there's a white suspect. It's a possibility of a white suspect. But Holden's like, well, no, it's got to be a black guy. So it can't be connected. But does it have to be? And that's what... Bill is saying we have to look at all angles. You can't just tell yourself it's a black guy. Greg and Winnie did the research. They deserve the interview. So they decide to fly out and do it. <laughs> the interview, not it. Once Holden and Bill get to Hotlanta, it's clear the response is showy in nature with minimal effort put into what they don't believe to be a kidnapping. Most agents waiting around for the ransom call, exchanging stories about police incompetence and thinking that, hey, we're going to cover our bases because the media is on this, but for the most part, <laughs> and it's not even like there were being assholes because none of the cops here were being assholes. But it's not an immediate threat. Like, oh, he probably ran away. Sadly, that was a big <laughs> thing and still continues to be. There, There's a lot of outcry on certain videos. And I know, what if it was your child? But I also understand why you might possibly, in some cases, wait 24 to 48 hours to report someone missing. Because they may not be missing. You may just be freaking out 
and we don't know what that situation is it's only when something bad actually happens do we want to point out oh that's nope that actually if you look at the statistics the statistics not that one time with the statistics weren't uh, most of the time yes people do just run away so they're not uncaring for feeling that way but at the same time they're desensitized to the idea that this is someone's child and when you're in that home with the mother and you see them begging for their baby to come back that maybe they want would want you to care if they were to walk into that room jim is there and helps get them up to speed so when the mayor's second commissioner comes calling commissioner brown at least they'll look like they give a fuck in Huntsville, Texas, Greg really can't comprehend how someone like Henley can't be or can be so contradictory in his behavior because he was putting up flyers for the boys that he was, uh, you know, sending over to him. Like, how does someone disconnect from their behavior? Both agree to focus on his familial background because usually that's where Ish goes awry. Greg is wet in his pants at the thought of entering a prison. She over there like, oh, I went to a <laughs> white collar crime prison. Like maybe you should be just as uh, anxious. He reading the fine print. In the event of a riot, women are always raped. Not exclusively. Can I put my balls in your jaws? Your jaws. Balls in your jaws. Which, of course, which I mentioned is my favorite scene of the episode because I thought the actor did a really good job. I thought Wendy did a good job bouncing off of him. It was a different kind of interrogation than the ones we usually see between Holden and holding in bill there's more empathy less analytical breakdown or getting the person to break down um wendy at first is a little terrorized to speak greg over there shuffling papers she eventually realizes that indeed getting personal is how you get these people to open up remember when she was chastising holding in the first season he was the Greg of it all. Let me read you these questions on this thing. It's like, yeah, that's not how this works. And then seeing it in person, she's like, oh shit, yeah. So maybe I need to tell him something personally, which she does reveal the relationship she had previously, which was a controlling, domineering relationship she had with her mentor. Henley effectively admits that he saw Dean as a father figure whom he wanted to please that he is confused about his own sexual orientation hence his agitation at being considered a quote-unquote faggot and it's sad that society has really put it into their minds that they are somehow not normal and how that actually does damage that person and possibly causes not them to go out and because every person that 
feels sexually oppressed does not go out and kill other people but that coupled with a lot of other bad combinations into the cocktail like an abusive father or being a you know teased bullied at school all of those things can really set you off and and start accumulation of what turns into someone who no longer wants to or decides to control their very devious tendencies there's impulsive killers as they were talking about there's methodical killers they're opportunist murderers there there's a lot of variety out of serial killers and I think it is important to understand what those triggers are so that we can address them in a healthy manner. Clearly, Dean had some really deviant, I know I'm overusing that word a bit, but I don't know what else to say. I mean, strapping people to a fucking board and torturing them and raping them for days on end. That is that is a mind that it has has certainly not seen the light of a good place in a long time and there is there is clearly something that henley saw in dean that he could relate to and it probably had to do not only with his sexuality, but his father figure and acceptance of that sexuality, even though he started off as his victim, even though he kind of dismisses being a victim because he doesn't want to be portrayed as weak. There's still that machoism, that um, abrasive nature that's taught very toxic masculinity in society because all of these other things being considered a killer is far more is far more um, easy to admit to than I might have enjoyed myself watching, which is something they ask him. They also bring up that he may have liked the pain and he says, well, I was kind of pretending to enjoy it because whatever I do in life, I tell myself that I enjoy it. His mind is making justifications for his own misery because he doesn't want to, once again, be seen as the victimized person, despite being the victimized person. And the money, I think, is a big deal. It's like, yeah, I want to keep getting this money. I don't have any other way to take care of me. I was financially dependent. So all of these factors played a point. But... The money, I think, was probably the biggest (laughs) that made him continue to do so from what I got away. away. I'd be interested to hear other people's feelings, but it's more like I'm doing what I need to to get this money, even if it is bad things. But I loved how it went down. Back in Atlanta, despite Bill once again warning Holden that predators don't cross genders and that the MOs really don't match to show any definitive pattern, when the commissioner arrives, he continues to pedal out 
his own theories. I'm not even sure there's a kidnapping. Shut the fuck up. I am so glad this guy shoved up his rectum at the end of the episode. Bill tries to impress that despite these uh, off-the-cuff remarks were thrown out here that could be very dangerous in the universe, we do actually methodically fact-check. <laughs> his wife calls due to the fact that his son Brian is being question or they want to question him and require him there so he takes a flight back home keeping the secret from holden greg thinks wendy made up the story on their ride away from the prison about a relationship belatedly realizing her colleagues are going to hear her confession on tape he was hostile towards greg because Greg was either clearly showing his fear or it could possibly have something to do with his sexual orientation confusion. Holden seeks out Camille to prove I'm back in town and I've brought the full force of the FBI because you emasculated me and made me feel small and made me realize that I am just a small little pea in the machine. And he's like, see, I can do things. And when they ask him to consider the KKK, because half the force of police officers used to be part of the KKK, given a flyer for the missing child, uh, he simply walks away from that because he knows he's not going to consider anyone from the KKK, which is sad. There is no ransom call, meaning there is no kidnapping. And you would think he would listen to them because they have, A, been on it longer. B, this is their children. You know, they ain't in it because they're trying to prove something to the world. They're in it because they want justice in the most personal way possible. Uh, back to the kidnapping. There's no ransom call, meaning there is no kidnapping. Meany Holden running his mouth about what he is trying to prove has given Brown the leverage to kick the FBI out since they don't have jurisdiction. And after that whole speech you made to Camille. Congratulations. You played yourself. This all has to do with the airport, right? I, I vaguely remember hearing something about this story. Because uh, I watch a lot of true crime. <laughs> to get the details, the show inspired it. But I do believe that there was a lot of consideration of cover-up because of the fact that they were trying to get the Atlanta airport open for business and they didn't want any type of bad press. So Brown showing up at the victim's home personally to say, you know, we're going to do all we can, does at least give another hour. He fully knows there's no kidnapping at this point. He's calling it all off. Um, it, it, it feels as if Brown is putting a face in front of more so than deeply wanting to get justice for these children. And I think that's going to be a problem. What part of staying in the background don't you understand, Holden? He might have let you stay if it didn't seem as if you clearly had intent to shake the entire 
city with your wild speculations based on nothing but conjecture jim has to break it down further to him in the call in the car being like the mayor said he wanted me to find it look shut the fuck up you talking about one the black perp which is not gonna look good for him around his constituents in case you didn't recall they're black a predator is bad for business and race does matter especially if the crime is racially motivated which you might be wanting to look into once bill is home he learns that brian has admitted that he took the key out of the lockbox took the elder boys over to that house and they killed the little boy by accident and it was Brian's idea to put the body on the cross. Oh, no. I know. That is unfortunate. I bet Bill is going to feel a little responsible. He brings his work home. Brian has gotten into it before. He probably was acted out. Something he thought he saw once things had happened. It's just really something a parent never wants to hear, especially when you go out and you're taking care of the bad guys. And upon doing your job, your child was inadvertently exposed to things that clearly oppressed upon their mind. Yeah, I feel bad for Bill and for his wife. That is going to conclude our episode. Once again, if you want to send feedback, buckercouch at gmail.com. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic. <laughs>